Welcome to the Chess Underground. I chose to use my Twitter bio as the tagline for the show, a bio I have used for over a decade, which reads, eccentricities, peculiarities, and theoretical novelties. To me, that's the fun part of chess, the eccentric characters, the peculiar rules, events, happenings, and the constant quest for innovation and discovery. I hope you'll enjoy the first installment, where I interview Eric Vigil, who I will allow to introduce himself in his own words. I'm Eric Vigil. I'm president of the Iowa Chess Association. I'm a chess organizer, tournament director, and player. Some of my best games, I didn't win. Chess to me is about adventure, crossing boundaries, meeting people, and most important, the friendships it creates and the communities we form. Right, so we are here for episode one, if you will. What do they call those? The pilot episode, like on the pilot episode. <laughs> pilot episode. Let's hope they let's hope they renew us for uh, season two. Um, pilot episode of Chess Underground. I'm here with Eric Vigil. Eric, first, I must confess, I have a total confession to make with you. Okay. For my entire life, knowing you, I pronounced your name Eric Vigil. Well, that's okay because uh, half my family does. If we're west of the Mississippi, it's like V Hill. If it's east of the Mississippi, it's Vigil. So, like, what's the what's the what what's the origin? Like, where, it's where from it... New Mexico. Oh, and my family originally came over with like Cortez, and they got the Sangro de Cristo land grant in New Mexico, and they settled near Wagon Mound. And in Spanish, it's V Hill. Um, and when I which means Vigil. Oh, okay, all right, <laughs> the okay. Watcher. You know, all right. You know, like Easter, Vigil. <laughs> Fair enough. Same thing. Um, and so when I grew up, I was always Vigil. And then my dad one time took me out to New Mexico and met like a lot of relatives and a lot of relatives that just spoke Spanish. And everybody started saying Vigil. And I'm like, hey, dad, how come they're all saying Vigil out here? And like, we're always Vigil back home. And so when I turned 18 and joined the army, I just made it a point to say, I'm Eric Vigil. <laughs> the proper pronunciation. That's you get, all. That's all. You get like is. the side eye, like okay, okay, Mister Vigil. As long as people don't put an R in it or Virgil, I'm good. Okay. I'm totally good. <laughs> but well, that's it. You know, when we were kids, so so I have a very complicated last name, as you know, Karyanis. Karyanis. Yeah. My my mom would pronounce it Karaganis. She says that's the American way. And then when we'd order a pizza, she'd just say Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> So I'm with you on that. Yeah. But we have a lot, of ta- a lot to talk about today. So let's just jump right in. You know, as I just told you, I'm a big proponent of the in medias res. Right in the middle of the action, we got to get to it. My first question. Okay. I'm a, I'm a big fan of micro brews, craft beer. But I have to ask you as a designer of a tournament here, beer and chess, what do they have to do with one another? Well... Beer, I mean, if you go to Germany, for instance, you'll go to a FIDE tournament, and they'll all be drinking beer. This and doesn't then, seem conducive to, like, quality play, I have to say. Well, yeah, but, I mean, what is quality play? Are you, I mean, are you having fun while you're playing? Are you getting to know your opponent? Are you, you know, going over your games and laughing and having a good time? Is that quality play? Or is it achieving some rating mark? or winning a prize, what is quality chess? And for me, quality chess is getting to know your friends and playing and playing with while drinking a beer. 
So I had this in my past. Um, I used to play Ultimate Frisbee. Okay. And one of the players that I played with, he owned a microbrewery. And I made homebrew. And I said, hey, we used to have like potlucks after the um, after the Ultimate Frisbee games. I should confess, I also used to be not a terrible Ultimate Frisbee player myself. Yeah. I like to go out right now and I like to play with a bunch of young kids. And they think that I'm like terrible because I'm a little, you know, they, I look slow. And Old I am kind of slow. Old man strength. But I have an incredible arm. And I can pinpoint throws. <laughs> so, anyway. We would have made a good team because I can't throw for a, a darn, but I can catch just about anything. Yeah. And maybe you can still run. A little bit. I, I don't know. That's questionable. But my friend Aaron, he owned a microbrewery. And I used to make homebrew. And we used to have, like, potlucks after the – we used to, like, have potlucks. Everybody would come over to my house or somebody else's house. And we'd have a theme, you know, like Asian night, Mexican night, whatever. And I'd bring out my homebrew. And he says, hey. That's pretty good. You want to come out and try brewing with me? And so I said, yeah. And I started working like one day a week at the Millstream Brewery in Amana. Okay. And this is Amana Colonies, Iowa? Amana right? Colonies, Iowa. Okay. The longest communal uh, experiment of communal living ever in the okay. United States. So there, there was this brewery and I started brewing. And, and they make like, I'm sorry to interrupt, they make like furniture or something. Right. Because I remember I, you know, I've been in Iowa for yeah. a while. I mean, that's not all they do. It's not like they only make furniture there. But I seem to recall that's like a big thing. Is that yeah, right? they make okay. furniture. They make, you know, handcrafted meats. They make jelly. They make wine. They make all kinds of you homemade know, goods, homemade goods, okay. like in the old world, you know, craft, okay. you know, sort of, you know, style. Um, so yeah, there's a brewery out there. And when I became uh, president of the Iowa Chess Association, which was what year? Uh, 2013, okay. 2012. So you, you must be by four years. Yeah. yeah. I played in Iowa pretty consistently from like 01 to 06. And then a couple years later, like 08, 09. Yeah. You were once on the Iowa board, as I recall. That's right. Yeah. Scola- we, didn't do anything, we didn't do anything fun like uh, Millstream Brewery Blitz. But, uh, but yeah. So... I had this idea to have like a tournament at the brewery and I said to the, the owners, cause I, I'm still friends with them after I stopped working there. I said, Hey, can we use the brewery to uh, run a chess tournament, use the back room and where all the pallets of beer are and stuff. And they said, for you, Eric, you betcha. <laughs> so wait, you said where the pallets of beer are. Do you, now I'm picturing like a chess board on a pallet of beer playing some blitz. Is that no? Uh, you're next to a pallet of beer. And okay. there's kegs and there's a forklift and there's like a big walk-in beer cooler that's got like pallets of beer stacked on it. We're basically in the beer storeroom. Like when they when they put, you know, they, they go, it's right near the bottling line. I mean, I, so I you're actually. So playing, you're playing a blitz chess tournament. I want to get like a clear mental picture of this, all right? Concrete so I'm, floor. Because you've invited me to play this tournament several times. Yeah, and now I'm doing it feeding. <laughs> <laughs> I've almost come every single time because I'm fascinated. I just want to see what, what's happening. Last time, I'm going to tell you, I had a polka band. <laughs> during, like, during the games? During the games. <laughs> they were out front. You couldn't hear them. But if you wanted it after your game, you could go out. And they had a polka band playing out front. Did they come for the tournament? Well, no, they were just practicing. Was oh, like, okay. <laughs> I mean, that would, have been a, I, that would have been a smooth move. I, would have been I did advertise it in Chess Life. Polka band? Polka band will be playing during really? chess tournament. 
And you delivered. And I delivered. Can we like I I'm, I like I want to know if you're like the first and only tournament organizer ever to successfully advertise and deliver on a polka band playing during the event. Well, <laughs> you'd have to go back to the old issues of Chess Life. Yeah, I mean, but I've such got, history as I don't even think exists. But we're gonna I'm gonna claim it. I'm gonna just go ahead and. I'm gonna tell you though, Chess Life that the, distinction. You know, I don't know if you know Joan in the office. Of course. Well. When I first submitted this for TLA to Chess Life magazine, she wouldn't print it. <laughs> because of the polka band or because of the brewery? Because of the prizes being six packs of beer. <laughs> that does seem, yeah, I don't know. Is that like allowed? I guess that's allowed. You could No, no that's <laughs> not did, allowed. They thought it was too risque. To use the polka nomenclature, I don't know if that's right. They put the kibosh, you might say. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> A little sausage out there. But what I did do to get around that is I uh, advertise a paper certificate for winning a prize. Oh, which is redeemable. For a six-pack of beer. Should one so desire. Or root beer, I think, I also saw. Yeah, there's root beer, cream soda. They got, like, cherry soda. Depending upon the, the time of year, it's, like, cherry soda or orange cream. And they brew it all. They brew it all there. Wow. And there's big vats. I mean, there's big vats of beer. So I want to get this mental. Okay, so <laughs> well, let me walk, because... I want our listeners to, like, fully understand what happens, okay? So I'm – here I am. I'm ready to play. I've finally taken you up on your offer. Okay. To play Millstream Brewery Blitz. Right. right? Okay. You enter the brewery. I enter the brewery, and I'm assuming I'm going to go through, like, some sort of maybe gift shop. There's a gift shop with a, okay. with a tap room. So here I am in my normal gift shop, tap room. And but then- I'm not playing the tournament there. Right. Okay, so I'm walking through, like, some back room. Well, like, okay. there's some like so, CD underground poker game going on. Cool. And I gotta like knock three times on the door, give them the password, and tell them I'm here for the chess, right? Well, actually, it's it's pretty it's pretty calm. I mean, what okay. I do is I no put, back no CD underground back door. Well, there is a, yeah, there is a back password. door. There's there's a door that okay. you look into the bottling room. Is like, this door a large heavy metal door with like a, an eye? Place no, that they pull it, open. It's a know? glass door, so you okay. can actually like if you're in the tap room, right. you know, getting a, a beverage. Yes. You can actually, and if they're bottling that day, you can watch them okay. bottle the beer, like Laverne and Shirley. Okay, all right, and you can watch them bottle the beer. And you now, so I'm so now I've got a better mental image. So if I was there on a day of the Millstream Brewery Blitz, I could watch them bottle the beer while a Blitz tournament is going on. Well, no, they won't. They won't. That's too loud. They wouldn't. Um, Bottle the beer. But that's the, the area where you'd be playing. Well, it's be- – no, you got to oh, go beyond okay. that. <laughs> so there's another back room. Okay. Yeah, so, so I go through the gift shop. You go through the gift I shop. I go through the glass door that is not at all threatened. And there's a chessboard with a big arrow in blue tape. Okay. So that you open the door. The universal you, sign of Blitz Chess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> where you know there's a chess tournament going on. Yes. And then out front in the beer garden, mm-hmm. I put a chess set. Is that so where they, the polka band is? The that's band? where the polka okay. band is. The tour <laughs> card. Yes, absolutely. So, and then I leave a chess set out there so people know that, like, if they get to the brewery, that there's chess going on because there's okay. chess sets set out in the beer garden. And I, you know, then people will, one would assume they could put two and two together, right? And people will figure it out. So you go through the bottling line. You go through there and offer to the left. So this is like a real bottling, like manufacturing area. This is where yeah, the yeah, beer yeah. is bottled. Okay. So I'm, I've walked through the gift shop. I've walked through the glass door. I've gone along the, the bottling, bottling line, line where there's – I'm assuming there's like a conveyor belt. Yep, and, yep, okay. yep. All, All right. that good stuff. And to the left, there is the brew house. That's where the big vats of beer are. Okay. 
And, you know, they brew about like, I think it's about 40,000 gallons in a tank. And you have to, like when you're brewing the beer, I don't know if you know anything about brewing beer. Very little. Well, I mean, I, I gave it a shot one time in college. But. When you're taking the, the whole grain and you're like malting it, um, you know, raising it, you raise the, you add water and you put the whole grain in there and you raise it to like 160 degrees and then you have to stir it around and you got canoe paddles. They use actual canoe yes, paddles to stir yes. it around. You know, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm having a flashback of like a Sam Adams commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So over to the left, there's a doorway that has like six big, like stainless steel vats. Okay. So we've gone past the brewery line, the mm -hmm. uh, bottling line, excuse me, past the vats. Vats. Then there's a stairwell that goes upstairs, okay. and that go that's where the upstairs is where they store all the grain. Okay. There's like you know thousands of kilos of of barley and hops and stuff like that. That's upstairs. Okay. You don't go there. And then there's like like a garage door that I have open that okay. leads out into the warehouse. Okay. And in the warehouse, <laughs> so I've gone through the the three levels, the three rungs of what right. you do. Okay, and then in the warehouse is that we set up tables and chairs, and around us is pallets of beer, bottled, bottled beer. beer. Yes. So during the tournament, can you just like you know grab one of them? And... You could, but that would be dishonest. I see. They don't. They frown upon that. I, I would feel bad if people like grab the beer out of the beer. Although one time, <laughs> I had a bunch of kids. Go and make a fort out of the palace. So you actually have, you know, that was going to be a question I had for you. You actually have scholastic players attend these events. Yes. And play against the adults, I'm assuming. Well, this is Iowa, man. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you go to a country bar in Iowa, the whole family's there. So they're, they're playing blitz in the warehouse of a brewery. Correct. Okay. And, you know, they're... Uh, yeah, the one time they were in the in the walk-in beer cooler, and it was like in the summer, and they were like, hey. "Oh yeah, cool off, right?" Yeah, and they've been in an Iowa summer too. I can tell. And, and they were like making forts out of the cases of beer, and like, no, 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 no. you can't do that. And you know, hey, parents, come on. Um, anyway, so yeah, there's kids out there, and then you're you're sitting in there, and you're playing beer, uh, playing no, chess, <laughs> playing chess, right? Well, you're drinking your beer. And then with the entry fee, assuming you're 21, I hand out. Well, you can drink the root beer, right? Right, sarsaparilla. Yeah. Okay. Sarsaparilla root, real sarsaparilla root. They and use real cane sugar too. In Iowa, they do not mess around with their root beer. I can confirm that. that yeah, is, that is known. And so when they that when, should be their new state slogan. Driving <laughs> from Nebraska, we don't mess around with. All right. So when you enter, when you sign up, when you register for the tournament, I give you a card, which is redeemable at the tap room. Or a beverage off the tap. Root beer or beer. Right. Cream soda. Cream soda. Whatever. Okay. And they have like different specialty brands. Now, let me ask, is that like a practical standpoint? So that card that you give, is that just like part of the entry fee? You get a free Yeah, card? yeah, absolutely. It's part of the entry fee. It's actually my my chess business card that I give. Okay. And then when you hand it into the the guy the guy that's like giving out drinks. He like write um, what you drank, and then at the end of the day, I'll settle up the score. Okay. Settle the you know the bill. Right. And then, but then here's the, here's the even like better part about it. They give me three cases of beer mm. to hand out as prizes. Just as like a as it is it sort of like marketing for them or? Well, they just they're I was, just generous. I was such a good employee. <laughs> they I love see, me. I see. Okay. They love me. It's um, the V Hill bump. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, one day they were like, I was on the bottling line and Chris had to go somewhere. Chris is like one of the other owners and they, they needed somebody to run the forklift and they didn't realize that I have an OSHA forklift license. And all of a sudden I'm running the forklift and they're like, oh man, you're, like, you're in the pinch. You'd think that would be like a, a question on an application at a place of employment that needs forklift operation. Well, I was hired as a brewer, mm-hmm. not as a forklift operator. But, you know. Right. So that was, it was pretty handy. No, but I mean, I worked well with them and then like Teresa and Chris and Tom, you know, they're, they just love having us out there. Nice. And so they, you know, give us the place for free. Mm. And and typically I use it to, you know, I've used it as like a fundraiser for the Iowa Open or different various Iowa events. And then the money I raise, I use, you know, I roll into other events that don't make so much money. Sure. Uh, you know, actually, how so how's your attendance at these things? Because I've, you know, I've, I've wanted to come for a while. Um, and I always look, I, I go back and I look at the results and see who won. I think, was it Dan who won the last one, Bradshaw? Actually, it was Joseph Wan. Oh, okay, great. National Math Master Joseph won. Was he was he your Denka representative? No. Yes. Arshak was. No, Arshak was last year. He's been our barber representative. He, okay. Um, right now, this year, they're in a playoff. Oh, wow. Yeah, two three, very strong players. There's a three-way playoff between, well, Arshak's in college now. Arshak Salim, for the record. Arshak Salim, National Master. Um, but we've got two up-and-coming players, uh, Owen Fedorowicz okay. and Michael Takahashi, and they all tied with three out of four. And so wow. in a couple of weeks, we're going to have a, um, a round-robin playoff where they each play each other game 60, delay five, um, black and white. Okay. So uh, the question I was going to ask is, so how well attended are these brewery 20 to 30 players. And that's pretty good. I mean, for the middle of nowhere, Iowa, no offense, a man of colonies, <laughs> I've driven through Iowa. A man of colonies is the, I actually got stuck there one time when 80 was closed. I was driving back from an Iowa open. Mm-hmm. And a huge snowstorm came in, and all I remember about Amanda Colonies was the pancakes were phenomenal. Um, yeah, yeah, they've got good some good food out there. Yeah. Okay, so twenty to thirty, and 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 this is this is where you brought chess and beer together together as one at last. Yeah, and I, I love it when I see players. Two places you can have chess and beer together again at last: Germany. And the Amanas. The Amana Colonies. <laughs> Which is That's a, probably not true. I've heard of an Ireland tournament that they have. Probably yeah. all probably all chess tournaments in Ireland. They have Well, I was at a chess tournament in Italy. I saw somebody with a glass of wine. Oh, there you go. So you know, they're not too picky in Europe. <laughs> what made so I guess my question would be, you know, I think of classic tournament locations. I think of hotels, libraries. Where where did this idea pop into the the brain of Eric Vigil for? Well, I like to have tournaments in a lot of different places. Like I have tournaments in prisons. <laughs> yes, I am uh, working on having a a flash mob tournament in um, the uni- at the University of Iowa in the East Asian Reading Room. Okay, so I got to understand this idea because I think you mentioned this a little bit when we were talking before. I have no idea what a flash mob chess tournament looks like. So, like, when I think of flash mob, I think of, like, a bunch of people in New York randomly bursting out into song and dance. Am I in the right ballpark there? Well, yeah. Okay. So, I guess, if I'm, if I'm trying to, like, extrapolate here, are you going to, like, secretly get a bunch of chess players together? Right. 
get them all to quietly and inconspicuously enter the University of Iowa or not uh, library. Okay, infiltrate the University of Iowa library without telling anyone this is going to happen. Right. Okay, <laughs> and then and then play chess. Is there going to be like a cue or like a signal? Well, here's the thing. So what I'm going to do is like I'm going to advertise it on like online registration.cc. I might even put a TLA in Chess Life. Okay. And say, hey, we're going to have a, a FIDE rated tournament at the University of Iowa East Asia Reading Room at the li- main library. And the thing is, is that I'm not going to rent the space. But if you go up there and you're sitting there and you just sit there and you're quiet in a library, who's going to stop you? I mean, that's a fair point. I wonder if and the they're f- open 24 7. Do the FIDE. <laughs> Do the FIDE regulations allow for flash mumps? I don't know, but I mean, they allow for a quiet environment. You know, here's what I'm I'm thinking. Maybe you can like choreograph round one, you know? Well, like we're all going to take our boards and have them like in our whatever backpack, whip them over our heads, slam them on the table, set up the pieces as fast as we can. That might make some a good video. <laughs> that would make a great, I mean, that would go, I would, I would watch that. Yeah. I would think high chance for viral. Going viral. Uh, but I don't think, you know, the problem is that chess players aren't really good at dancing and choreography. That might actually make it better. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the whole point of, of watching the video. True. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm going to put it out there so, like, you know, they have to register online. There's no going to be on-site registration. It's just going to be, and then I'll have, like, little name plates and put them out in the library. Oh, that's a good idea. How to find your opponent. You know, I, I was sort of thinking, I'm going to plant the seed here, like Inception, right? I'm getting mm-hmm. inside your mind. I think you should have like a bat signal or something, you know? And and advertise in advance, you know? Round one will start when the bat signal hits the ceiling. You know? <laughs> <laughs> all, all of the players show up, you know, it's like 9.55, round one starts at 10. They've all, nobody's got any chess equipment out and then boom. You know, you got a projector or something hits the ceiling. You know, with the East Asia reading room, I was thinking maybe, you know, having somebody like pull out a book and start reciting something. There you go. Yes, like a poem of some sort. A poem. Is this going to get you in trouble? Like, are university officials going to come to your door after hearing this podcast? And Well, I don't think university Cease and officials. desist all flash mobs. <laughs> <laughs> you shall not play chess en masse in our but library. I mean, the thing is, is that the, if you go up to the East Asia reading room, it's pretty much empty. And it's, it's this big, huge room that's, like, not being used. Yeah. I mean, they've got all these, like, thousands of volumes of East Asian literature from, you know, these old books that are just sitting there. It just looks like the perfect spot. Would the perfect spot to you also potentially be a zoo? <laughs> because I've heard a rumor... That I held a tournament at the Blank Park Zoo. I've heard a rumor. Well, yeah. I mean, it was it was actually the brainchild of Christine Dennison. Okay. She said, Eric, you got to run a tournament, a tournament, a kids tournament at the zoo. You got to do it. You got to do it. And I'm like, okay, okay, I'll do it. Fine. So I called up the zoo and said, hey, you know, how much does can I rent, you know, your space for? And they gave Is me Is this like a like a... Just a room at the zoo, or are we talking like tables on the sidewalk next to the lion den? It's like tables on the sidewalk next to the lion den, but it's in a um, it's in a shelter, like a 
Or where, where you'd eat lunch. Like a pavilion type Like thing? a pavilion, okay. you know. It's outside. But um, you can see... I think we're actually near the seals. You can see wild animals from your chessboard? Yes. Okay. Um, and you have to pay entry into the zoo to get into the tournament. Okay. Um, and you could spend, like, when you're done with your game, you know, the kids can just wander over and... Look at the seals. Look at the seals. Well, they're the nearest thing. But, yeah, you could easily do that. This brings new meaning to the title, How to Play Chess Like an Animal. <laughs> if I may tease a future guest, a, a book by National Master Life Master Brian Wall. Um, Did he have the orangutan opening or something? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bunch of invented openings as well, like the raccoon. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. The badger. <laughs> the badger. I mean, I, I you'll for more details... Well, you know, it's funny you mention him because he called me up one afternoon and said, hey, I'm traveling through with my friend Joel Johnson and I need like two players over 2,200 and we want to set up a quad while I'm driving to Chicago. This sounds exactly <laughs> like Brian Wall. And so I got uh, National Master at Alex Richter and Dan Brashaw. We set up at uh, the Cafe Lala, a little coffee shop in Iowa City. And we played a quad on their way. Like, and they like they, they were so funny because they were like, yeah, we gotta, we got to set up a quad. So you're like the go-to guy for any travelers through the state of Iowa who want to play in a zoo, well, earn you know, a beer ticket, or have a quad at a coffee shop. Well, you know, it's funny. Again, uh, the president of the Idaho Chess Association was traveling through. And he and his three children and his wife, you know, stayed at my house. And I did, and he said, and I said, okay. So we did a little, another little flash mob tournament, and we had the Idaho Iowa Challenge. We had f like four players from Idaho. Was this choreographed? Well, I did take out some potatoes and some corn and put them on the boards. <laughs> okay, all right. That's you know, like the two least menacing mascots of all time, but I like it. And so we ended up. Um, just like stopping at the coffee shop and 22 people from Iowa showed up. There was like 26 players. Wow. Just showed up at the coffee shop. I feel like that's slightly over. imbalanced towards Iowa. Well, yeah. But your volume of players. I mean, I didn't have to set, you know, the parameters on the win TD so that, uh, you know, the Iowa and I, you know, the Idaho players wouldn't play each other. Right. Cause you know, they're family. Yeah, right. But yeah, so I've become really good friends with, uh, the president and so, who is that president? That is Adam Porth. Adam Porth, Idaho Chess Association. Yep. And the chess playing family? Chess playing family. Like, he's got a chess playing family. I've got a chess playing family. All four of my kids play chess. My daughter. It's like the Hatfields and the McCoys, the V Hills versus the Porths. Yeah. Have you guys done a V Hill Porth match yet at a zoo? <laughs> or anywhere I, for them? I have done a V Hill Carson match. There's okay. another chess playing family in Iowa. I understand they're also a musical family. Is that true? That is true. And the Veals are also a musical family. I have two of my children are all state musicians. I think we have to have like a dueling banjos slash dueling chess battle here between the Veals and the Carsons. That would be. <laughs> for ultimate chess music dominance of Iowa. And my wife, even though she's never played a rated game of chess in her life, she has been a chess member for, with the family membership for the last like eight years. She plays piano at our church as well. This is, this sounds like I don't know how to handicap this. This sounds like a toss up. I mean, I mean, I don't know who has the edge here. It's sort if of I like were giving like point favorites. Have you ever seen that one video where they have the swimming chess match 
where you have like the one you, you have only the only amount of time you have to think is when you're under the water. I have not seen that, but that's fascinating. Yeah, that's and they're the or the boxing chess match. I have seen those. I actually, you know, a long time ago in a land far, far away, I totally wanted to be a chess boxer. <laughs> it's true. I I thought it looked fun, you know. Yeah. I've got a decent combination of size and poor chess skill. I, I would have been fine. Yeah, it's it depends upon which, you know, what's more weighted in the scoring. Right. You know, you could defend yourself while, while boxing and then come back, you know, with blood on the chessboard. I'm like a little fuzzy on the rules, actually. But then again, I think so is everybody else. I, I Like, show me a person who knows all the rules of chess boxing. I mean, I was on a biathlon team in the Army. And, I mean, the shooting was just, you know, you had to, like, march, like, 20 miles and then, like, get to a firing range and shoot. And the scoring was about equal. You know, like, the, the, time, the, shooting. the time for the 20-mile march. And I thought, like, that was very unfair. See, now, this is what we're going to devise between the Veals and the Carsons. Right? Oh. We're going to have a scoring system that equally weights the music and the chess. Fair enough. Although I think I think we could take them on the music, except for me, I'm a, I, I need a handicap on the music because my two kids and my wife are just so darn good. But you know, chess wise, eh, they they'd have the edge. Chess wise, you do as I understand. So you said earlier you've had tournaments in prisons. Yes, I seem to recall. Correct me if I'm wrong here. You also teach in prisons. Is that true? That is true. About four years ago, I went to the Oakdale Penitentiary. It's called the Iowa Medical uh, Classification Center. Um, I said to the ward, I just went in there and I said, I want to run a chess club here. And they referred me to the activities director. And he kind of like looked at me and kind of like, what, so what spurred this desire for you? Was it just like an outreach thing, promoting the game, or well, did, was there, did you have some particular reason to be interested in this population? Well, you see, okay, go back. I adopted four children um, through the foster care system. And my daughter, Chrissy, we adopted her when she was 11. And she's got two half-siblings. And her older brother, uh, half-brother, well, half-brother, Robert, he was in the federal penitentiary at the time, and he got released, um, and he learned two things in prison, chess and Spanish. He came out a fluent Spanish player, Spanish, uh, Spanish speaker, and about a 1,300 chess player. Wow. Um, and, so I, and so when he like, got back together with his sister, which was you know, my daughter, I decided that he would, I got him a U.S. chess membership, and we went... He came to chess tournaments with us. Um, it's sort of like something to do. So I thought, you know, okay, let's find a local prison and go run a club there. Hmm. Yeah, I often find, you know, like it's that personal connection that, that makes you want to do something. Now, the club that you ran, were you guys mainly playing, learning, a little bit of both, more heavy on one or the other? Um, they mostly like to play. I tried to get them to like do notation and go over games and I gave them out books and magazines and stuff, but they just pretty much wanted to play. <laughs> what does it take? Like, I, I'm a little curious, you know, so you said you just kind of went up to the, was it the warden? I went up to the warden mm -hmm. and I said, you know, I'd like to run a chess club here. And they referred me to the activities director. Right. And the activities director said, you know, he kind of looked over, you know, what I was wanting to do. And he said, you're not a religious group. We've got plenty of them. 
You know, this is different. Okay, I'll try it. And the warden, it actually... Some people would argue chess is a religious experience. Well, yeah, but it's not <laughs> like... They've got like, you know, about five or six different Christian and I think a Muslim group that mm. meets out there. So they've got plenty of religious groups. Mm. And they don't have, you know, and so bringing in like a chess group is like something totally different. It's something that is unique mm. um, that wasn't there before. Um, and a lot, of the, a lot of the guys actually did play chess. Some of them not so good. Um but they were all fascinated um, by having tournament quality boards. I brought like I got some donations uh, from U.S. Chess Trust. Okay. And they sent me ten boards to bring in. Um, they also got me like twenty memberships. Wow. And okay, so as a tournament director, have you ever like had the experience where you've had twenty players all unrated? Yeah. I did that. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, that's like a badge of honor, right? <laughs> well. Even more so if you hand pair it on note cards. Well, that's what I had to do there, too, because I I didn't have, um, I wasn't, you're not allowed to bring in computers. Oh, really? So, so yeah. Like, all because of, of the internet, is it a safety concern? Or? Yeah, there's no internet connection there. Okay. I mean, well, there is, there is, but there's not. So, yeah, I can't bring in a, win, a computer with WinTD on it. I had okay. to hand pair it. Oh, wow. So, yeah, I've been hand pairing uh, for four years. Hmm. So, you mentioned Chrissy, your daughter, her brother's name Robert. Robert, did did he view it? Uh, I'm curious. Did he view chess as like a, a life experience that he gained? You know, something. Yeah, pretty much. But it's it's interesting. But okay, so he's talking about chess, and he was a MMA fighter too. Really? So chess boxing, right up his alley. Right up his alley. Um, he tried to get it. He was like close to getting uh, beyond amateur status. Wow. Um, but yeah, he gave up. He pretty much gave up chess after about a year of getting out. Mm. Um, but he he said it really focused and kept him like sane while he was in prison. Mm. Like he really enjoyed playing it while in prison. But then once he got out, he came to us to about three or four tournaments and then stopped. You know, as a as a former teacher of chess, um, I would notice that it sort it, it occasionally would have that quality on the students. You know, focusing them, calming them, if you will. Mm -hmm. Did you have any experience like that while you were working with prisons? Well, <laughs> it's just, okay. So the prison, when I first showed up, they had a whole different chess culture. Okay. Like, I, I got in there and, like, I was playing, you know, chess and I was losing um, against another, uh, an inmate. And I resigned. They were about to call me every word in the book. They were about to call me, like, you know, a lot of derogatory, homophobic names. Um, and they, and they'd stay, I could tell they were, like, biting their tongues because I was a volunteer. And I realized that this was not their culture. You do not resign in prison. You play to the last pawn. And I was like, you know, this is silly. So, I mean, I played that way for the next few months. You know, not... Not resigning. Not resigning. No, you don't resign. resign. Right. Yes. It's manhood. Beat on your chest. Well, I mean, I suppose there might be some message there as well. You know, you were saying it, it kind of got Rob through, right? Yeah. It got him through. And, and that's maybe where this mentality comes from. But then I, I went to him. I said, look, okay. So, like, I, so then I, I was winning. I said, look, like, we can play this out. You've got, a, like, you know, five pawns. And you can, like, put up a good resistance and this and that. But, like, I'm only here 
for like an hour and a half. Now, <laughs> we the can time see. argument. Ah, no. uh, yes. All now, things must end. If we stop, finish our game, and start another one where it's more equal and more balanced, maybe we'd have more fun. <laughs> and that took a couple weeks, and I changed the mentality of the prison. Fascinating. You know, just and they were then. Then it was okay to resign. Hmm. It was, yeah. It was. It was. It was like one of these things. That just like all of a sudden, went push. You know, that's like I, I think an, a very fascinating like commentary on chess culture in general. You know, like I've noticed certain certain places that I play, the mentality is like you never resign no matter what. You know. Um, you know, like some coffee house chess, you know, you, you, you play it out, you try to flag the guy if you have to. You a know. lot of chess coaches put that up. A lot of, yeah, a lot of, you know, that's true. And and in other in other areas, it's considered like, you know, uncouth, if you will, to to not resign at the proper moment. You yeah. Know? Or maybe even in advance of the proper, proper moment if, if you see it coming. So, you well, know, this idea of, of, I don't know, what is it? Is it sportsmanship? Is it, or maybe is it is it just, you know, the quest to... to Try again. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, resigning, not resigning, that's a, that's a whole nother issue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. And that we are not, we are here not to discuss resigning, right? No. <laughs> although, although I did bring in, I, I did bring into the prison, I brought T, Grandmaster Timor Garyev to do a blindfold simul really? in the prison. The blindfold king himself. Okay. The blindfold king himself came to my prison and... We did like a 10 boards. Okay. And he, I was, it was so funny because he toyed with them. He like played bad moves. <laughs> he like gave up three pawns, you know, in an opening and it was a trap. <laughs> and then, and the, the prisoners were like, yeah, we're going to, this guy's blindfolded. We're going to kick his ass. <laughs> and he just sucker punched them all. Wow. And they, and then it was an experience like Jesus rising from the tomb because what happened is, so everybody saw the, the people that were there that saw Timor defeat 10, 10 of their, their fellow, you know, their fellow inmates blindfolded. Well, at what happens is attrition, you know, people get out, people like get transferred to other prisons. Right. And so there's only like, you know, one or two guys left that actually saw the event. <laughs> So it's kind of like the the legend of the blindfold king. The legend like, of the blindfold. You won't king. believe. You won't actually believe this happened. But I saw it with my own eyes. My own two eyes. <laughs> I lost to him personally. So like the the last one remaining is just going to be the the storyteller for the, yeah. for the remaining generations. Oh yeah. Well, speaking of Timor, mm-hmm. I believe. I have this thing written down here in my notes, and before we met, I was like circling it and thinking about it. And the phrase that I have written down to discuss with you, okay. and this might require some some backstory from you, or I don't know. I I mean, is Bohemian chess weekend? Okay, <laughs> now I got a I got I don't know if it was a text from you or an email from you one time. It was probably me inviting you to come along. For yes. Something. And all it said was something like, just come on out for the weekend. We'll have a bohemian chess weekend. And that was the whole thing. And I had no idea what that was referring to or suggesting. I mean, I could like think of some possible. Well, okay. So what happens like during the Iowa open or what used to happen 
is that I would open up my house and I'd have people come over and people would stay on the couches. People would stay, you know, all the, all the rooms would be filled. I'd, I'd kick my kids out of the rooms and they, you know, let other people stay in the Real rooms. Real bohemians sleep on the floor. I have a t-shirt that says Yeah, that. yeah, but people slept on the floor too. Okay. And then my wife, uh, and Gretchen, she is just such a, a good person. She cooks like pot, big vats of food. And so that people like can come and go to the aisle open if they don't have much time and they don't want to stay at a restaurant, they can just come on in our kitchen. And, you know, we, and I love you. Yeah. Okay. And it would just be like, a lot, just a lot of fun. And people would just be hanging out at our house. It was like about a mile or two from the venue. Um, the Marriott, you know, down in Corbin. Yeah, of course. Yeah. The brand, you know, none of that existed. Oh, I remember I, <clears throat> I won an Iowa Open in like 2002 or some like real early 2000s. We were stuck in like the farthest out of the way corner imaginable of the student union. And it was like this tiny, really hot and sweaty room. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. And now you guys have this beautiful new hotel um, next to an antique car museum. Mm-hmm. So for those of you, I'm, I'm kind of plugging the Iowa Open here because I will be honest with you, the new location is one of my favorite places to play. I love this tournament, and I would play, if I could, I would play in it every year. Well, I hate to say it, but according to the Iowa Chess Charter, the Iowa Open is supposed to move every year. I know that, I know. It never did. It never did when I was there either. Well, it's moving this year. (sighs) No, but you're going to like it. You're going to like it. Again, we're having it in an art gallery in Des Moines. Oh, This guy gives me a call and says... I got a 6,000 square foot venue okay. that I would love to let you guys play in and have the Iowa Open for free. <laughs> Can't say no to free. And he's got this beautiful old What's the building. name of the art gallery, if you don't mind me asking? I don't know. Eric. <laughs> kind of he just called me yesterday. Oh, so this is like brand new. And this is like brand new. I can't fresh. take it a task on it. Okay. I, right. I mean... So and our listeners are getting the inside scoop on the organization of this year's Iowa Open. This year, well, you see, this the, is like what? What do they call it? Uh, sneak preview. Sneak preview. Yes. Well, see, here's the thing: is that Mark Capron, um, the guy who used to organize the Iowa Open for the last and former president of Iowa Chess. No, no, he's no? never president. But he was something. Treasurer. He's a treasurer. Treasurer. Okay. He's treasurer and passant editor, right. award-winning and passant editor. Um. He is moving his company, uh, Procter and Gamble, is moving him to Cincinnati. That's a long way from Iowa. Yeah, so he is resigning this year as treasurer and passant editor, and That's he can't loss. run the Iowa Open because he'll be in Cincinnati. Right. And so I have to. It has fallen to you. It has fallen to me, and unfortunately, and even if Mark were here, uh, we might not have it at the Marriott anyway. Because what they did when they first built the place, they were looking for business. And they gave us a really good deal. And every year yeah, they've, they've been around a while. Every year they've been kind of inching that, you know. And then this last year, it was so <laughs> We're going in. Uh, Mark's taking me along for the negotiations for, the, you know, the, the hotel deal at the Marriott. And they're charging us a lot more than they did the year before. And Mark's like, yeah. And you just told him, look, I know a zoo. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then they said, well. It's in the contract. We just never charged you before. And then Mark pulls out the contract because he's got, you know, the last five years of contracts. And he's looking at it and he's like, oh, I guess last year you didn't charge us for all this stuff that we could have been charged for. 
but it was always in the contract, but they never charged us for it. So now they're just enforcing the contract mm. and they're sneaky little devils. <laughs> so um, Eric Viel is now in charge of the Iowa Open. Uh, technically. For the yeah. time being. I'm trying. How long until, you know, it's being hosted at a scuba center? <laughs> well, they're building a scuba center in North Liberty. How did I know that? Oh, I didn't know that. What a, what a random shot in the dark. Of course well, I knew that. It's across from my wife's office. That's the only reason I know. Oh, okay. Gotcha. You're trying. So, so actually, now, now my question stands. How long until it's at the scuba center? <laughs> you never know. Um, I did put in... Uh, I'm going to just mark down six years here and I'll take the under. Well, you never know. Um, I mean, we do have a lot of tournaments in churches and we have a tournament in a doctor's office. You know, we have the Iowa closed. At, yes, and I seem to remember having one in, uh, where was it? It was in, uh, I think, Wesley Ferguson or Jim Hedina held it in the cafeteria at their workplace. Yeah, oh yes. <laughs> I can't remember who was the TD that, that time around. Yeah, that was at, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the business. I know, there was also one, I don't know if you've ever been there, the Maharishi School. You know, the Maharishi what, is... What town is that in? I forgot. Fairfield. Fairfield, that's right. Yeah, I played a tournament there one time, too. I yeah. felt like my chi was centered. It makes me sad, the Maharishis. Is it no longer around? No, they're still there. They okay. still have a chess club. And I, it, it makes me feel... I've tried to reach out to them. Mm. Because what happened is, like, back around 2009 or 10, one of the Maharishi players had, an, had a disagreement with a player from Ankeny. Okay. And Mark was the tournament director, and he ruled in favor of the player from Ankeny. Oh. And it made the Maharishi player rather upset. I see. And the Maharishis have not, have just left the Iowa chess community. The great, the great division of 08. I'm just picking here at random. Yeah, and it just, and it, if any Maharishis are out there, please, please come back. It's a whole different, Mark's leaving to Cincinnati. There you go, Mark's the, gone now. The guy in Ankeny's he's dead. somehow i'm not sure if that's the most convincing uh, advertisement to to pull them back now you pull me back in yeah i've been watching too much sopranos lately sorry well i I, you know i'd like them to come back to the iowa i've tried to like i've been running you know tournaments in southeast iowa you know in nearby fairfield just to try and fairfield east east fairfield well no burlington i mean nearby fairfield is like a cornfield well, yeah, but I mean, Burlington's like twenty miles to the east. Sure, yeah, you know, and yeah. We have to quantify this. Like nearby to an Iowan is twenty miles, right? Nearby to a New Yorker is like two blocks. Fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, so I with less that's like rural, you know, chess. You know, like I, you know, when I lived in Iowa, it was northwest Iowa, right? So you could be talking about your neighbor, but your neighbor is like six miles away. You know, I ran into my neighbor the other day. Did you live in northwest Iowa? Yeah. Where at Randall? Randall. Have you heard of Randall? Where is that? I rest my case. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've done Ragbri a few times and biked across Iowa. So Ragbri is the race across... Registers an annual great bike ride across Iowa. There you go. I knew there was an across in there somewhere, yeah. yeah. So this is a, a massive bike ride across the state of Iowa, run by a newspaper. And like... And you know what, I'm just going to throw this out there right now. If they can combine cross-country cycling and beer, then we can combine chess and beer. Well, no. I have have this dream of getting uh, a grandmaster 
In fact, I'm probably thinking about Gary because he loves biking to do ragbri and set up a hospitality tent during with the three thousand with the thirty thousand bike riders coming through, and then like set up and this is just to tease them, just to tease the bike riders. Set up my espresso. I have an I have a mobile espresso machine. I remember you brought that to the Burlington Open. I played at yes, and I have like generator. And I can set this thing up. I used to set it up across the... Things that Eric Vigil brings to chess <laughs> tournaments. Polka bands, espresso machines. All right. Go I'm, on. Well... Uh, you know, me personally, I bring like a chess set. But. So I'll set up a tent. And I'll set up like my espresso machine and have iced lattes. Okay. And the only time... And the only people that can have them are U.S. chess and Iowa chess members. And just tease people. <laughs> And tease the biker as they slug it away. Because but, if you've ever been on Ragbri and you want espresso in the morning, there's like a couple stands along the route, but there's like a line of about 50 people long to get an espresso on Ragbri. But if you ha- you have to sign up to be a U.S. I feel chef. like this is a really weird promotional chess idea, but it just might work. You might be on to something here. Well, and then you can like play a couple games blindfold, you know, you know, bet $5 you can beat this guy blindfolded. And then he. <laughs> Something makes me seriously skeptical as to the legality of this idea, but we're going to pretend that nobody knows about it. Come on, man. New York City. It's already been proven that, you know, playing chess um, against somebody else is legal. I think I meant the holding the lattes hostage thing. Well, no, you could have, like, this is the Iowa Chess Hospitality Tent. You have to be a member. You are a devious man, Eric <laughs> And that's probably, honestly, a great place to end. Eric. I got to say, this has been really fun. Thank oh, you. Pete, it's, you know, ever since you came to my Burlington tournament and like won it the second time, you know, after a period of 10 years. Yes, I, I took a 10-year break in between my Burlington Open attendances, but I'm 2-0. and oh. Yeah, 2-0. and oh. I won the first one and I won the one 10 years later. Yeah. That was fun. Good stuff. Yeah. In fact, I, I even had, you even gave me a chess philosophy, the Karaganis effect. <laughs> What did I? Oh, really? I have caused you to develop a philosophy. Okay, so what is the? What is that? You said you bring a high-rated player in, and then the uh, the players that are like two hundred points lower than that player will want to play that higher-rated player, and then players that are two hundred points lower than those players will come. So if you get it's a it's like kind of like a domino theory. Yeah. And we like sat there on a summer evening in Burlington, sitting on. I the remember porch, this with Bill. Bill Broich. With Bill Broich. International Arbiter, and we called it the Karaganis Effect. <laughs> well, thanks for bringing that to me, and thanks for sure. inviting me on your show. No, my, my pleasure, Eric. I, I, I really enjoyed our, our conversation here, and I thank you for being my guinea pig, if you will, the inaugural guest on the uh, Chess Underground podcast. I feel like I should have like a plaque for you or something. <laughs> Instead, all I have is a hearty handshake and a thank you. Well, maybe a beer. <laughs> Yeah, hey, I think I know a nice brewery that we might just want to check out. It's in the Amana Colonist. (laughs) Well, I hope you can make it someday. I do too. Thanks again, Eric. I really appreciate it. Sounds great. Thank you for listening to the Chess Underground, a U.S. chess podcast. Please check out our entire suite of podcasts, which release every Tuesday, and include Ladies' Night with Jen Shahad, as well as Chess Life cover stories and One Move at a Time with Dan Lucas. Until next time, signing off, Pete Karyanis. <laughs>